Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. So the Bible says, So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun, and Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people by with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Watch this. This is what we're going to preach from. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, the Lord is my banner or Jehovah Nisi saying, a hand upon the throne of the Lord. A hand upon the throne of the Lord. The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Hey, over the next few minutes, oh, I'm going to try hard to preach this thing. Um, I'm going to preach over this message, and I want you to write this down. Touch heaven. Touch heaven. Let's pray. Father, I love you. I thank you so much, Lord God, that together, Lord, we can see your kingdom move forward in power and authority, Lord. And over the last few weeks, Lord, we've been talking about this idea, Lord Jesus, that the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violence take it by force, Lord. And it was beautiful to watch all that you did last Sunday. But Father, we're not satisfied. We pray, Father, that today you would speak to our heart, Lord God. Create a desire inside of us, Lord God, to be able to chase after you, to seek you in a way that we haven't done so, Lord. I pray, Father, that we would be filled with such a desire, such a zeal, Lord God, to look for you, to chase you, and to seek your face, Lord. Father, I love you, and I thank you for everything that you've done, Lord God. I'm excited about what we will hear today, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray, Lord. Amen and amen. Come on, Greater Church, would you put your hands together for Jesus one more time? Come on, touch heaven. So over the next few weeks, I'm, I'm going to speak to you from a series of messages. And the title, or I'm sorry, the, 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 the series title that we've given it is called War Cry. War Cry. And it's a call to rally his soldiers, to rally men and women of God to be able to go forward in everything that God has asked us to do, right? But today, in this message, Touch Heaven, I, I want to be able to kind of reflect on what it is that we read in Scripture and what does that mean for us as Christians, right? Um, man, I have a, I have a, I have a, a love-hate relationship with technology. Um, I'm not the best at Instagram. If you follow me, then you know that. I'm not the best at Facebook. I don't do the TikTok yet. Um, I, I'm, I'm in spurts. You know what I'm saying, Leroy? Like, I'm in spurts. Like, if I see something, I'll post it real quick, and then you won't hear from me for another three months. Um, but I fight with people all day long in my brain on Facebook. All day long. I just won't write anything. I just like, uh, but I don't say nothing. Um, during the pandemic, it was some of the hardest times that I've ever had to experience in my life because I am a preacher um, that I want to see your face. I want to see your emotions. I want to feel the room. And during the pandemic, it was the worst, bro, because it was me, Brianna, Nunzi, Amanda, and Kim. We were sitting there in my living room. Y'all remember that? In my living room. And, and Bria singing her heart out. I mean, we just going for it. And it was a camera, y'all. I mean, that's it. And I'm preaching and I'm going, ah, and Jesus said, and I know you're behind the camera somewhere. And it's like, no, they're not behind the camera. This is pre-recorded. There's nobody there. It's just me and my wife. And my wife turned into Steven Spielberg. You remember that, baby? Editing video and doing all that stuff on Premiere Pro. She turned into like a, a real editing person. It was difficult for me because I'm a feeler. I, I need to, I want to see it. And if I'm honest with you, there were moments of my life that I wanted to quit. 
30% of pastors in the pandemic wanted to quit. There's about 12% of them that did quit. Um, several of them quit without having a plan B. And buildings have shut down and they become CVSs. They've become Walgreens. Um, they've become monuments to things that have happened in the past. I was at the brink of that thing. And I didn't know what to do because I was frustrated. I was mad. And I remember that me and my wife, we take this trip once a year and we go out to the cabin and we just listen to Jesus for a couple of days. And we spend three days without our cell phones and just us and Jesus. I go for three days by myself and then my wife goes for three days by herself. And um, one of the things that I heard from the Lord was that this isn't something that you're seeing that's a plan on by individuals. Um, but there is spiritual warfare that is happening right now. And I didn't understand it as much, but I acted out of whatever he told me. And I started to pray more. We actually started a series that we went for nine weeks called Fighting With Our Eyes Closed. And I spoke about spiritual warfare for nine weeks because I saw what was happening in people's lives. People who were no longer drinking alcohol, but now because of social distancing, they're by themselves in the house drinking every single day. People that were able to grab a hold of Jesus and pornography, sexual addiction was so far from them. They had had fought it so hard that they had victory and pastors that were falling day in and day out things that you were watching on the news individuals that had called on the name of Jesus that were standing so strong and then you watched them fall by the wayside because then, number one they didn't have community but number two it's hard man when you don't have people around you and when you're not seeking the Lord the way that you should be it makes it real different my hope and my desire is that greater church, we're watching the growth, we're watching everything that God has done, but I never want us to be a professional church. I don't want us to be professional Christians. I don't want us to have a professional worship team or a professional host team. Like, I want us to have spirit-filled men and women of God that defend the kingdom. This is what we fight for. We fight for the kingdom. And so, during that time, there was a lot that was in my heart. There was a lot that I was struggling with. And one of the things that helped me was that I was able not only to deal with my own junk, I had time to, but I actually started to chase after Jesus in a totally different way. Um, I think it's clear to say that the scriptures say that if you're filled with the spirit, you will not satisfy the lust of the flesh. And I began to chase after Jesus in a totally different way. And it helped us. It sustained us because every Sunday we quit and every Monday we rehired ourselves. Remember that, babe? Remember that? We had a meeting with ourselves every single Monday. Okay, you're back? Okay, you're back. You quit? No, I, okay, let's keep going. It was drawing close to Jesus. And the hardest times is drawing close to Jesus. In the bad times and in the good times, it's drawing close to Jesus. Today, we read a scripture and there was a piece of it that kind of fell out that you start to see Moses Moses, this was the guy that his life began an absolute disaster. Moses began as a kid who was born to the, Hebrew, to the Hebrews, to the Israelites. And here it is that this kid, at the time that he was born, the Pharaoh had made a mandate for every single kid to be killed at that moment. And so he told the midwives, kill the children if they're males as soon as they come out of the mother's womb. The, mid, the midwives could not do it. So then he sent the soldiers to do it. And what they started to do is that they started to throw the kids into the river. And it was a great devastation 
at the beginning of a ministry. We see the same thing that happened with Jesus. Remember, we preached about this a few weeks ago. At the beginning of Jesus' ministry, every child two years and under, the Bible says that Herod killed every single one of them. So at the beginning of it is when you receive the most attack, discouragement, distraction, and disunity. We've preached about that. I don't want to lay on that too much, but what I want you to see is that his life began really messy. The Bible says that his mom left him on the, on the canal, on the river. She put him on a basket. And when she put him on a basket, he ended up floating to the banks of the Pharaoh. And in the king's house, the Pharaoh's daughter, she picked up Moses and she cared for him. And the Bible says that she became as his son. She asked for somebody to take care of him. And the person that took care of him was actually Moses' mom. Now Moses is living in the Pharaoh's house. And I mean, yo, could you imagine the prejudice the racism that he was experienced because I know you saw Prince of Egypt and it sounds cute and you see him with his little gold sash and he was like a pharaoh but yo this kid he was a he was an Israelite he was a Jew and the Egyptians had a thing they would not even the Bible says they would not even sit at a table because they were less than dogs to them and yet this kid is hanging around the halls and eating at the king's table because favor was on his life but there was a plan attached to his life I could preach that for days and I'm trying to stay still because I want to just keep going. But Moses grew up in this. And then one day Moses is at this point where he's like, man, I know who I am. And the Bible says that he comes out of his out of the palace and he sees that there's this uh, Egyptian man that is hitting on, a, on an Israelite and beating him. And the Bible says that he looks to the left and to the right and then he strikes the Egyptian and kills him. He goes back because nobody saw him. And the next day he comes back outside and he sees two, Hebrew, two Hebrews, two Israelites arguing amongst themselves. And when he tries to break up the fight, they turn to him and they say, who are you? Are you going to kill us just like you killed the other guy? And the Bible says that he gets scared and he runs away from Pharaoh's house because he's like, yo, if they find out that I killed this dude, I'm going to lose all my favor, my prestige, and I'm going to die. So he leaves, the Bible says, and he goes to be with his uncle Jethro. And he spends, and he has the second part of his life. He was 40 years old, 40 years old when he left Pharaoh's house. So I want you to put some context behind it to understand the year, how your life is conditioned to certain aspects and certain things that you thought about. And all of a sudden it feels like there's a dash in the middle of your life and it's because God is taking you to another realm not because he's abandoned you the Bible says that Moses is sitting there and he's at at the at a, he's feeding his his sheep and he's taking them out to graze and to eat and as he's taking the sheep out to eat the Bible says that all of a sudden he sees and he walks up to this burning bush and when he goes up to the burning bush as he looks at the burning bush the Bible says that the fire is not consuming the bush I mean, it's a, it's a pretty weird sight. See, if Moses was Cuban, he would have ran the other way. Oh, no, nah, I'm not dealing with that. John. You're crazy. He's going to leave the other way. But the Bible says that Moses, Moses kind of gets curious about what this thing is. What's crazy is that at the beginning, this is where Moses' calling begins. And I just want to pause there for a second. It was a fire that did not consume the bush, but it initiated God's power on his life. Watch this. Did that not happen a second time? In Acts chapter 2, the Bible says, and there was as of a rushing wind. And then it says, and then there were tongues as a fire on the head of each one of them that did not consume them. Because God is always going to signify the beginning of something with purification. I'll get into it in just a second and I'll explain what that means. But God is always a God that he's intentional about the way that he does things. And when you start to see fire in your life, 
And when you start to see that, yo, everything around me, all hell has broken loose and I don't understand how am I still breathing? How am I still standing? How did I just put food on my kid's table? I don't understand what's happening right now. Please understand that you're at the brink of a miracle and that God is not trying to hurt you, that he's not trying to disown you, but you are at the very door of something that God wants to do in your life. All hell has broken loose. The ship is breaking all apart, but yet here I am. I'm still good. I don't get it. Anybody been there before? You're like, yo, how am I not dead right now? Like, what the heck is going on right now? I told you I wasn't going to preach. Dang, I got to get back in my chair. And the Bible says, <laughs> Moses is sitting at this bush. And as he's sitting at this bush, the Lord reveals to him this entire plan of what he's going to do. And we see the Moses story. He goes back, and you remember the ten plagues, and, and then he, he goes, and, and then he walks through dry land. Remember that? And then the waters swallow up the Pharaoh and everybody. They get to the other side. And when they get to the other side, God says, okay, now it's time to do some work. Now it's time to do some work. Here's what we're going to do. I want you to come up to this mountain. And when you come up to this mountain, we're going to have a conversation. There are some things that I want to talk to you about because I want you to see some stuff. This scripture that we're talking about right now, the one that I read, this is the first war that Moses and the children of Israel, the children of Israel had to actually go through, where they actually fought the Amalek, the Amaleks. Here it is, a picture of Moses, the Bible says, that he's at the top of the mountain with Aaron and with her. You know what I mean? It was David and it was Maria on the sides. And they're watching the valley as Joshua, who is going to be the next guy. He just doesn't know it yet. Joshua is sitting there and he's fighting. This isn't fighting in the next, right now, Akuna Matata. No, 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 this is with a sword, blood, people dying, heads flying off. Like, Billy, is that your ear? That type of stuff. You know what I mean? And he's watching this stuff happen. And the Bible says that as Moses has his hands up and he's praying right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, well, I don't know if he said in the name of Jesus, but he said, oh, God of heaven, right now, I pray that you would give them victory. As he had his hands up and as he prayed and declared war would actually be won. But then when he got weary and his hands went down, then the tide would turn. And here it is that the Bible says that all of a sudden Aaron and her, that they grab his arms and they hold his arms up. And when they hold his arms up, they start to win the battle. He gets a rock. And just like Chino today, he sits on the rock and these individuals hold up his hands and he keeps winning the fight. And then it says something that I think is like, I mean, I, mean, I don't got a whole lot of time to explain this, but I will. I promise. Watch this. Exodus chapter 17, verse 16, saying to them, a hand upon the throne of the Lord. The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. But that term right there, a hand upon the throne of the Lord. It's insane that as believers, it wasn't just Moses, but that we have an authority in us, that we have a privilege, that we can be right here on earth and that we can place a hand and touch heaven while we watch the effects on earth. The God that we serve is strong enough and he's taught us that he's done that already, right? The Bible says, and the spirit of the Lord hovered over the waters. The spirit of the Lord. And then it said that the word of the Lord came out and he said, let there be. And what was in the spiritual all of a sudden became physical. And now you started to watch the land and you started to watch the sky and the seas. The spirit 
realm gave birth and the physical realm came out of it. Meaning that there are moments in our life when we're going through all hell, moments where we don't know what to do, that we can step into a spiritual place. And you ain't got to be super mature. You don't got to be a pastor. You don't have to be anointed. You can be a person that is broken on drugs and you can be right there in the back of your car and you can enter into a spiritual place that says, Father, I'm done with this lifestyle. I don't want to do this anymore. Lord, save me. And the stories can be told of the hundreds of thousands and the hundred thousands of individuals who have cried out. I didn't have it all figured out when I went into that spiritual place and I told God, if you don't save me, I'm going to die. But he heard me. My hand touched heaven and the effects were shown on earth. The Bible says that Moses was this guy that put his hand on heaven and you watch the effects on earth. Moses, Moses was the guy that when he went up to the burning bush, the Bible says that the Lord talked to him and the Lord said, hey, Moses, this is what I'm going to do. It's the burning bush. It's my burning. Y'all remember uh, human videos? Only a couple of y'all. It's a human video. And he's the burning bush. And he says, Moses, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set my people free. And we get the four I wills from there. And I'm going to set them free. I'm going to bring them out of Egypt. I'm going to bring Egypt out of them. I'm going to redeem them. I'm going to call them my people. I'm going to be their God. And the Bible says that Moses hid his face. He hid his face from the Lord and he says, no, you don't know who I am. And this is what it looks like to have shame. And shame is the number one enemy of the presence of God. For you to touch heaven and watch the effects happen on earth, shame will never allow you to do that. Because shame will begin to tell you, I don't read my Bible enough. I don't pray enough. I'm not that holy. It's my husband that does that. It's my wife that does that. I'm not that person. And shame will have you completely. Look, can I show you something? This is what shame looks like. Watch this. I just want you to look down. Because this is the posture of shame. Who do you see when you're in this posture? You. You're the only person. Shame puts the focus solely on you. And you begin to think there's no way that I could touch heaven. Because man, you don't understand what I, you don't understand where these feet have taken me. You, you don't understand the desires that have this belly has desired. And the things that these hands have done. And Moses himself is sitting there in shame. This is the guy. I wanted to show you both of the pictures because all of those wars, all of that stuff that Moses did, he was the guy that was filled with shame. He was the guy that said, Lord, I don't want you to see this. I'm a murderer. I killed people. How could you ever, ever use me? Moses asked the wrong question. Moses asked, who am I? When in reality, he should ask, who are you? Because this is what it's all about. It has nothing to do with you. You want to touch heaven and you want to watch the effects on earth? Yo, can I tell you that it has little to do with you? You ain't got the power to touch heaven. Bro, you can't jump six feet. Like, I mean, LeBron is a really good guy. You know, John Moran, I don't know who's the highest and who has the biggest vertical in the NBA. But those guys right now, they probably can't touch this roof. I mean, that's an easy task, right? But those guys, no matter how tall they are, they probably can't touch that roof right there. In and of yourself, imagine telling them to jump to the moon. Like, touch the moon. So when, when you touch heaven, yo, there's so much more to do with God than it does with you. But shame, man, is this one thing that will always keep you away from the presence of God. Because what you're doing is that you're looking at yourself. And what you're not doing is that you're not looking up at God. And the moment that you look up at God and you see how big he is, how much he can do, then things begin to change in your life. 
The Bible says that Moses is this guy that was filled with shame, but God told him, I will be with you. Those words right there were everything that he needed. The burning bush is happening. Moses is hiding his face. God never speaks to your problem. He always creates solutions. He doesn't say, Moses, look up at me. He doesn't say, oh, I see your shame. Oh, Moses, I know who you are. Don't worry about it. I know you started. He didn't say any of those things. He said, I will be with you. He's always going to create solutions, not speak to your problems. And when he told them that, he gave us a clear picture of what we need in our everyday life. Can I tell you? And it's three words. Presence of God. And unfortunately, depending on your religious background, depending on what, what denomination you came from, whatever church you came from, the presence of God means something different to everybody else. Because for some of us, the presence of God, it lifted and we no longer have it now. Now we have the Bible. For some of us, the presence of God is this place that the more you speak in tongues is the more that you see the presence of God. For some of us, the more that you shake and jerk, that's the presence of God. For some of us, I mean, you can, I can, the gambit is super long for me to try to explain to you in every single culture what the presence of God means. But this is what it actually means. God among us. God among us. And his presence of God they can be in a place and in the most dire necessity, you're living in fear. I mean, you're, everything around you is falling, but there's a peace around you. There's a peace inside of you. I mean, everybody around you is dropping like flies, but there's something inside of you that's like, you know what, man? I don't care what happens. As long as you go with me, we'll figure this thing out. Because it is promised for man to die once. I'm going to die and then I'm going to be in your presence. Watch this. Exodus chapter 19, so encouraging, Chino. Exodus chapter 19, verse 18. It says, now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it with fire. And the smoke went up and the smoke of the kindling, of the kiln, which means just the furnace, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. So here it is. He has an entire mountain that's on fire. And Moses, the Bible says that he walks into the mountain. I'm not walking in a mountain that's on fire. But he understood how much he desperately desired the presence of God. God, I don't, if you're there, man, I will walk into a fire. I will walk into a third grade school. I will walk into a job that I hate. I will stay in my marriage. I will make sure that I do everything that I can. If you're there, then I want to be there with you. I don't care what that mountain looks like. I don't care how much fire it has. The Bible says that he goes up there and he spends some time with the Lord. 40 days he spent with the Lord. I got to move past this. He, he spent 40 days with the Lord. When he's up there with Jesus, all of, with God, all of a sudden the Bible says that God turns to him and he says, yo, the people are downstairs and they, they made, they made a, they're down there and they created this golden calf. And then he says, first time in history that you will ever hear this, and I don't think it ever happened afterwards, he says to Moses, I'm going to kill them all and I'm going to start with you. I'm going to kill everybody, and I'm going to start with you, Moses. And Moses says to them, Lord, please don't do that. Please don't do that. What will the people think about? Now, he didn't tell God, you can't start with me. Lord, do you know who I am? Notice that the guy that hid his face in shame, God is saying, I'm going to wipe out the entire Israel nation, and I'm going to begin with you. And he no longer has this shame. Now he puts his focus on God, and he says to himself, God, what will they think about you? He's caring about who God is, the character, the nature of God. Something shifts inside of you when you stop looking down at yourself and worrying about yourself and you start thinking, if I curse this woman out, what is it going to look like? Oh, my God. If I punch Buddy square in his face because he cut me off, what is this going to look? Oh, y'all serious now. Oh, y'all serious. Now you want to be serious. Now, don't deal with that stuff in Jesus' name. But there are things in your life now that you say, I'm not going to sign because I know that this isn't going to bring glory to God. The Bible says it. What would the people think 
about you. Watch this. Ten of meeting. So there's a place right now. Moses goes down. He throws the little, the calf was about four by six inches. He throws the calf into the fire. The Bible says that a plague spread to about 3,000 or 300,000 of the children of Israel. They died on that day because of the plague, because they worshiped this false god, the golden calf. And then after that, the Bible says that he builds a tent on the outside of the walls. And that tent on the outside of the wall, that's where they would go and they would worship. So people would walk in there, they would pray, and they would come out. Whenever Moses went into the tent the bible says that a cloud of fire would come down and that all of a sudden god would come down like a fire and that tent was on fire and moses would go in there i mean could you imagine what that looks like watch this exodus chapter 33 verse 11 look what the lord says about moses thus the lord used to speak to moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend when moses turned again into the camp so he leaves he leaves out of the tent when he turns away, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man who did not depart from the tent. By the way, this is another message. And leaders, I'm going to preach this to y'all. I'm going to start and lead. I'm going to start explaining to y'all what it looks like to be a Joshua. To be somebody that for 40 years, 40 days, I'm sorry, when Moses was up talking to God, the whole, the whole incident when they were building the calf, Joshua wasn't down there. Joshua was on the mountain waiting for him. And the Bible says that when he came down, he bumped into Joshua's camp. That's a little too deep for y'all. You'll see it. But Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man would not depart from the tent. So Moses walks out of this tent where he had spoke to God face to face. The Bible says some translations talk about how he spoke to God mouth to mouth. I mean, he was so intimate with God that people would go to the same places that Moses goes, but God wouldn't sit there and speak to him the same way. This was Moses who was filled with shame. But this was Moses who understood that there was a price to the presence. And the price to the presence, and I'm going to land this plane, it was intimacy. He spent 40 days with the Lord. He spent 40 days with Jesus, with God, speaking to him, learning from him. Yo, could you imagine? Stop for a second. Don't take notes. Listen to me for a second. Could you imagine if you just took right now, 2020, what day, November, whatever it is today. Could, could you imagine if you took the next 40 days? And spent, the, I wish, Chino, you don't know how many bills I got to pay. My wife will leave me. My boss will fire me. Could it be that we no longer have to operate under the law? That we no longer have to pay the payment to be able to have access to the throne of God? To be able to have access to Jesus the way that Moses had to pay? Could it be that we had a sacrifice? Somebody who went into the Holy of Holies, who went into a tent not made with hands, but one that was in heaven and actually gave us authority. So now when we die to ourselves, that we can actually be able to enter into the presence of God. That we can actually have access to the presence of God. That every single moment in your life, in your car, in your living room, in your closet, that fire can come down. In the midst of everything that you're going through, could it be that Jesus has already made it so that we have access, the Bible says, through grace, we have access to the throne of God where we may enter it boldly. No, that's not me, Chino. You don't know. I don't pray enough. Get your eyes off of yourself and put your eyes on God. He already paid the payment so that you can have access. You can pray the way that everybody else prays. You have the same access to God. If you understand this, you will begin to develop it. But if you don't understand it, then you will begin to run away from it. It's developmental. Salvation happens in a moment. I mean, you get saved. 
You confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart, but then you begin to develop not only your spiritual authority, but you begin to develop your intimacy. How many of y'all got married the first time you saw your wife? <laughs> My parents, that's different. <laughs> I, it took me, babe, how long it took before we got married? Five months. No, we knew each other for a long time. We knew each other for a year and a half. But we weren't dating. We weren't dating. I've heard of stories of people that have met and in a week or two weeks, you know what I mean? They get married. But how many of y'all know when you get married, you develop that relationship. She doesn't like you the first moment that she sees you. Maybe, you know, she liked me. She was like, oh my God, I want to have his babies. I get it. But it won't happen like that for you. It doesn't happen like that for everybody. You know what I mean? But it takes time to develop that relationship. But here it is. What if you develop this relationship with God and you were intentional about it? Get, get out your own head and that you take your eyes off of yourself and you say, yo, if I actually spend time with God, he will actually develop me and I can get to places that I never imagined in him. Practical. Let's go into practical. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Because God is always going to be, he was the God that defended, he even defended Moses it had never been heard. The Bible says that Miriam and Aaron, they say, yo, Moses, isn't, doesn't, doesn't God talk to us the same way? Can't God tell us the same thing? Like, why, does, why do we have to sit here and wait for Moses? And the Bible says that God heard them from heaven. Gossip is a cancer and God will hear it and God hates it and God detests it. I will show you. The Bible says in Numbers chapter 12, verse 6 through 9, and it says, and he said, hear my words. This was God. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I show him through dreams in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak mouth to mouth clearly and not in riddle. He beholds the form of the Lord. Why then are you afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the Bible says, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against him. And he departed. You want to see a real quick way for a church to break down you want to see a church end up dwindling down to five or six members on Easter and Christmas? Let gossip take hold of it. Let men and women start to dishonor each other. And you watch how the Bible says, and the Lord's anger was kindled against them and he departed them. That's why we fight so hard against that stuff. That's why we have strong conversations and we have a no tolerance issue. When you have an issue with somebody else, have a conversation with that somebody. If you need to bring somebody because you're afraid, bring somebody with you. But don't find yourself sitting there. Yeah, I wish Pastor Chino would have stood up and preached. Like every time he just comes up there with them tight pants and them new shoes. And I don't know why he does this. And yo, come talk to me about it. I'll tell you how. I got these for, for my birthday. Somebody gave them to me for free. I'll explain to you how I lost weight and I'm trying to show off my legs. So dumb. Gossip is always going to be the dissension. Gossip is always going to separate and it's going to kindle the Lord's anger. It's going to light a flame and it's always going to have the Lord depart. So man, you always want to be in a place where we're having these conversations. All right, let's go. Piano, come up. Come on up here because I, I, I need to land this thing. Y'all ready? The Bible says he was a murderer, he was filled with shame, but yet he was face to face with the Lord. Why? Because of his pursuit with the Lord. In pursuit, I want to tell you two things real quick. Number one, when you're pursuing God, always be grateful because you're going to have moments of fire billowing. You're going to have moments of tongues on fire. You're going to have incredible moments. And then you're going to have moments that you're just going to hear whispers. And you got to be grateful. God, I don't need to feel you. I don't need to fall on the ground. I don't need to do 14 backflips for me to experience and to know that you're close to me. Sometimes it's just a whisper and your gratitude is always going to allow for that to continue. Number two, never be satisfied. Man, there's so much more that we can reach in God. 
Yeah, but you know, I didn't read my Bible this week. I get it. Read it next week. You know, I only prayed one time last week. Pray one more time this week. Just continue to build upon it and watch what God does. Never be satisfied. The Bible says that Jesus teaches us to ask, to seek, and to knock. This is all about pursuing the Lord. You can have as much of God as you want, but not much more than you're willing to pay for through intimacy and sacrifice with him. It's spending time with him. Number two, oh, these are my, my principles. I want to give you some principles real quick. I'm getting into the practical stuff. Principles. In order to draw near to God, you got to empty yourself. So there's something that you have to do. So you can approach the throne of God, but there's something that you have to do in emptying yourself. Rob Reimer, he wrote this book called Soul Care, which we love at this church so much. And he has an illustration where he talks about he travels all over the place and he has a suitcase. And in that suitcase, Kobe, he got a bunch of clothes. And every time he goes to a new place, he takes the clothes out and then he puts new clothes. But if in that suitcase, he leaves a sock that's stinky and nasty, everything that he puts inside of the suitcase, no matter, Susan, how much it's been pressed, how much it's been cleaned, it doesn't matter. Everything is going to smell because of that sock. It's not until you take out the sock. It's not until you deal with the fact that you were sexually abused when you were 13 and you still haven't told nobody about it. You deal with the fact that your dad abandoned you. You deal with the fact that the last pastor you gave all of your time, all of your energy, you loved this man to death and he still abused you. He still lied about you and he kicked you out of a church. But you got that sock and you're taking that sock everywhere that you go. That in your last marriage, you were in a place where you were like, yo, everywhere, it's a fight every single day. It's another fight. It's another argument. So what is going to happen if you keep that sock in your suitcase, you're going to go to the next relationship and well, I'm waiting for you to fight with me. I'm waiting for you to argue with me. And as soon as they don't argue with you, then you start to argue. Because you're expecting and you're realizing that you are bound and that sock is in there to abuse. Dang, Chino, you got way too deep. I like all the other stuff. Do that funny stuff again. Take the sock out of your drawer. Take the sock out of your suitcase, man. Deal with it. If you're at Greater Church, you're going to work through it. That's what Next Step is all about. We're going to work through that stuff. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Holiness. D.L. Moody said, many people pray that God will fill them, but they are already filled with something else and need to be emptied. You'll empty yourself of your pride of your anger, of your depression, of your shame, of your pornography addiction, of your alcohol addiction. Like, yo, let's work through that stuff. You can be free. It just takes effort. Grace is not opposed to earning. I mean, not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. Grace hates that you try to work at it, work for it, but it loves for you to work from it. So begin to work. Empty yourself out. God doesn't condemn you. He convicts you. He doesn't do it to hurt you. He does it to free you. And then number two, in order for us to see God, we need to seek his face and not his hands. I am the pastor sometimes that I feel like every single time I'm praying to God, I'm like, Lord, help me. Lord, I need this. Lord, I need that. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Hello, help me. Change my wife. She's crazy. What if we switched it? And what if Moses wasn't so much a man of prayer. Moses was a man of intimacy. Moses spent time with God seeking his face, not his hands. What if we spent some time with God and just, God, I love you. Gratitude will always help you. I don't know how to pray like that. Father, thank you for my wife. Thank you for my kids, Lord. Thank you for my church. Lord, thank you for this job. Lord, thank you that I just found this gas station that says 295. Glory to God. 
gratitude will begin to open up the doors for you. But it's you taking some steps toward that way. And instead of looking for God's hand, you look for his face. How do we do this? Y'all say, Chino, how do we do this? If you're, lo if you're looking for a, a spiritual development, then you need spiritual rhythms. You need spiritual rhythms. The church, we're, we're going to smash the gas. In a few weeks, we're going to have turkey giveaway. And we're giving away 200 turkeys to all of our community. And we're, gonna give, we're picking up on Monday 150 grocery bags with all type of groceries inside grocery boxes. And we're going to feed the community and we're going to work. But you know what this rhythm of these first few weeks are? It's a rhythm of rest and a, and a rhythm of finding the presence of God. That's why worship moments are going to be a little bit different because we want to be able to lean in because we want to have rhythms. Your rhythm has to change. You can't come home tired and jump on Netflix or the PlayStation. You have to have a rhythm. Find a rhythm. In the morning, if you go to sleep early, you'll be able, if you go to sleep early, you'll be able to get up early and you can start a rhythm. You don't got to watch that 14th episode. I promise you that same show is going to be on Netflix tomorrow. Turn it off and watch your rhythm. Change your rhythm. It's all about your rhythm. It's all about spending time with God. Number one, the rhythm, right? When it talks about rhythm. And if you have a rhythm and if you pursue God and he's teaching you and he's showing you stuff, I'm not asking you to change your rhythm. Keep doing it. But you got to be careful because a rhythm can turn into a routine and a routine can turn into a rut really quick. But I got up every day at five in the morning. All of a sudden now, I don't feel God's presence. Okay, cool. Get up at eight o'clock and go take a walk and walk in the park as you talk to God. Okay, now instead of reading a Psalms and a Proverbs, why don't you take some moments and just for a second, read your Psalms and your Proverbs, but close your Bible. Why don't you turn on a song that's singing to Jesus? And why don't you, instead of just singing those songs, why don't you begin to pray those songs? Worthy are you, God, Lord. You are everything that I need. Let the heavens bow before your glory. And you begin to pray the worship songs that you listen. I mean, it's just a rhythm. It's just a rhythm. It's knowing how to be able to do it. Three things to be able to help you with the rhythm. Number one, it's holiness. Watch what you watch. I'm not being legalistic. I'm not telling you don't watch TV shows or don't listen to music. You have your own convictions. But, but watch what you watch. Have a level of holiness in your life. Sacrifice. For some of us, we got to take some time to fast, man. At the next few weeks, take a day, a week, two weeks. I'm not going to be dogma and legalistic and tell you we got to do it and you got to do it this way. Do it the way that God tells you to do it. But take some time to sacrifice and fast. And then number two, you got to obsess for his presence. Obsess. Like, man, I went to the Navy, Tommy, and I went to the ceremony where they were graduating the E7s, where they were honoring them. I've never seen something as excellent as that because I haven't gone to the, to the Army graduation. I get it. But, but man, I mean, I mean, Jason, they lined us up. They sat us in the front. They had everybody. They, one, at one point, everybody was like this. And then when another, and I mean, the service didn't even start. And then at the time, they were like, he said something and then they just, I mean, it was just so excellent. What if we pursued God that way? What if instead of just in the shower while you're praying and you're thinking about or driving in your car, what if you actually just separated 30 minutes, an hour, 15 minutes, whatever it is. And this is, this is what your posture is. Instead of this, what if this just becomes your posture and take this freaking thing and just throw it across the room. And, and Father, I just, I don't know what to say to you, but I need you right now. What, what would happen? Dang, I done lost my credit cards and all. I, I think it's important. I, I think it's important. And here's why I think it's important. I want to give you a warning. But I also want to give you a war cry. 
Revelations chapter 2 verse 1 through 5. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his hands, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and have not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have become and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. I mean, you've done all the great stuff, but you forgot about me. I see you doing all these great things. But you forgot about me. Here's the antidote. You ready? Here's the antidote. He gives you the, 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 he gives you the solution. Remember. Remember. Remember therefore where you have fallen. Remember when you used to open up the word. And, and remember it used to speak to you. Remember when you used to listen to songs and you were like, man, why am I crying so much? Remember when you would watch every movie. It didn't matter what type of movie. And you were like, oh my God, that's the Lord. And that's the devil. He's trying. You remember that? Remember when you actually got up early and you were excited about going to church? Remember when you were excited about sitting there with somebody and learning about the Bible? Remember. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works, the first works. Or else I will come to you quickly and remove the lampstand from this place. Unless you repent. This has a place in your life to become a warning or a war cry. A warning is that if you don't repent, that God will remove the lampstand. His favor over your life, that easy stuff that you get, he will move that out of your life because he's looking for fruitfulness, not faithfulness. Oh, what does that mean? Hold on, Chino, what do you mean? I mean, God gave five talents to one. He gave two talents to one and he gave one talent to one. The one that had five made ten. The one that had two made four. And the one that had one made zero. Because all of them, even the one that had one, he said, God, I knew that you were a, a scary man and I was afraid. And so I dug it in the ground, Lord, because I was afraid of you. He was faithful. But God's not necessarily looking for faithfulness as much as he's looking for fruitfulness. Would you have taken my talent and what I've given you and multiplied it? And here's what I want you to understand. Is that God is a God that's big. He's in charge. He has ways that he does things. And I don't want him to remove that lampstand from me. So I don't consider that a warning. I consider it a war cry. I consider it a rally to the troops that we got to get together and we got to continue to move forward. That there is a vision and a mandate over our life. This is a war cry. A warning. It's filled with shame that I'm looking at myself. Just, Jesus, I'm such a mess, man. I, how did I get so far? It was the pandemic. I messed up. It's Adam and Eve. They sinned and they try to cover themselves. Lord, I'm hiding from you. I just, God, I just, I'm sorry. Or it can be intimacy. Or it can be a place that you say, Lord, I'm no longer dealing with this thing. He who became 
He who knew no sin, Jesus, he became that sin that is so easily entangled in my life. And Father, I rebuke it, Lord, and I become the righteousness of God. I'm going to look in the mirror and I'm going to say, I'm not a failure. I'm not a halfway Christian. I am a man of God. I am the righteousness of God. And I'm going to have a war cry and I'm going to begin to pursue the presence of God. I'm going to start some rhythms in my life. I'm going to start turning off the phone a little bit earlier. I'm going to start turning off the TV a little bit earlier. I'm going to get my wife and instead of us talking trash about them, this person or that person, I'm going to get with my wife and I'm going to say, baby, would you hold my hand right now? And Father, right now we declare over our children that they are not ADHD, Lord God, that they will understand the learning and everything at school. And I'm going to begin to pray with my wife and I'm going to start pursuing. And my kids, I'm not going to get on them just because they leave their clothes everywhere. I'm going to sit down. Hey, come here. I want you to let's read this story real quick for a second. What would happen if we get those rhythms involved? What would happen is that we would touch heaven. And we'll see the effects on earth. I don't know about you, but I want to touch heaven. If Moses, who was filled with shame and a murderer, can touch the very heavens and watch the effects on earth. The Bible says that God was face-to-face -face friends with him, that he would defend him. The Bible says they were mouth-to-mouth -mouth friends. Like he was that close that he would follow him everywhere he went. If I no longer have to earn my way to that, but I have access through Jesus, then I want that. My hope and my desire is that you would touch heaven. Take some time this week. And man, this is a moment that I, I want to, and I don't want to do this. This is a moment where we bring up the worship team. And this is a moment where we have the band go loud. And I mean, we go, worthy are you? All of that. But man, I wanted you to take a moment in the next five minutes. And we're going to end in just a second. And we're going to go inside of the big room for those of you that are staying with Next Step. But I wanted you to just take a moment to respond to this message. Remember. Just remember. Would you bow your head and close your eyes for just a second? Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. And we hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on all social media platforms.